Picture this. A four-year-old is sitting in the driveway, playing with friends. You walk up to him with a bicycle in your hands and begin a conversation. You ask him, have you ever ridden a bike before? And he replies, no, I haven't, but I've heard they're important and I'd like to learn. You agree and launch immediately into a discourse on the importance of riding a bike, the power of said bicycle, how mastering this practice will set him on a path towards success and how it would be in his best interest to start learning how to ride a bike immediately. Wide-eyed, he nods and urgently stands up to begin, and then you set the bike down and walk away. As you're picturing this situation, you might be laughing because you'd never do this with a kid and a bike. Just abandon a child who wants to learn how to ride a bike. That's ridiculous. Except we do this with students and Bible engagement all the time. We preach its mighty, all-powerful, life-altering importance, and we leave students alone to figure it out on their own with little guidance. We set the bike or Bible down and we walk away. Students understand the Bible is important, but they're not being trained how to read it. What would a ministry that is focused on Bible engagement look like? How could your ministry, your community, and the world be impacted? I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same. Cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Good to have you with us today on the Thought Factory podcast. We're glad you are joining us. And as always, our listenership base is growing. We're grateful for that. We're glad that you've decided to take some time today to join us as we're talking about something very important, very near and dear to our hearts. And as always, we have research that we do that backs up, that is the basis, a lot of the foundation for our information. In fact, what we'll draw from today as well. Jason, we're going to offer that to them for free. Tell them where they can get it. They can find it in the interwebs of the world. Okay, easy enough. So good luck. Find it. You will find it, and you'll be so grateful that you did. You will. So, But if you want some coordinates to where you can find this, it is found at neverthesame.org slash podcast, and you will be able to find a gift from us. Yeah, so a great, beautifully designed and laid out informational piece, the, about a 20, I think a 20-page 20 20 guide page. that gives all the statistics, some of the latest trends in youth ministry because it's directly from students, what they're saying, what they're believing. So check that out. Many of you have downloaded that already, but if you're just hearing about it, you haven't done it yet, do it now before you forget. Make sure, as always, we always remind everyone, go back to our last episode and last episodes. This has been uh, a really, really great season. We're getting uh, incredible response from you, so make sure you go back and obviously join us for the next one. If you haven't, just subscribe. We don't say that very much, but subscribe to this podcast. It's a good one. Yeah, if you just found us randomly and you were like, man, this is great stuff, you can hit that subscribe button in iTunes, on YouTube, on Spotify. You are able to lock us in so you can always find the next episode in the queue. Now, a lot of times it's you and I here in our studio. We have guests from time to time in person or online that we join, but we have someone with us in the room, very special person on our staff, a person that we uh, enjoy working with every day, right, Jason? Every single day we, that she's in the office. That's right, we do. She's great. Lindsay, glad you're with us today hanging out. Hi, guys. Hello. Good to be here. 
So we're going to be talking with Lindsay about something that's near and dear to her heart today. So Lindsay's hanging out here in our very uh, fancy studio. Not really. We're looking around here as you're listening at how pathetic this places where we record but, but hey. fortunately it is a audible experience but for everyone that's listening. right you just be glad you can't see us and uh so Lindsay, good to have you with us and we have a bonus segment right Lindsay? it's a pretty exciting thing at Lin- the end Lindsay, tell us about this bonus segment that you probably don't have a whole lot of experience explaining i'm guessing it's something worth waiting around for hey that's a good bonuses way to say are it. usually a good thing they are. Is it yeah. usually at the financial end? money? Ooh. Oh, we could. You'll have to listen hey. to the bonus <laughs> segment to find out. <laughs> Maybe. So when this podcast is over, it ain't over. There's a little Easter egg at the end. Join us. Got some exciting things we're talking about. We'd love to have you a part of that as well. All right. So let's jump into today, what we're talking about here. As we've experienced, the three of us here, we've all been youth pastors. We're all engaged in local churches. We're all connected to students in several different ways. I, I always say to people, when I, especially when I meet with younger youth pastors, that the number one thing to me in all my years, if I could boil it down to one piece of advice, and if you've listened to this podcast and all of our episodes, you probably can predict what I'm about to say here, but I would say the number one thing that's the most important if you're working with students in a local church is Bible engagement. Bible engagement. I was going to say yeah, that. You knew you were going to say oh, yeah. that. Because I've listened to all the podcasts. Yeah, of course. So I, I just think it's super important. There's so many byproducts. And in our day and age, I think that's one of the things that, that we care about. And we're talking a lot with other people that, that care as well. As a youth pastor, I would agree with you as the Bible needs to be placed very heavily and very important. And it was one of those things that you try as a youth pastor to integrate and also blend it with the need to have fun and engaging uh, program. And so there is that tension between what does it look like for my ministry? But when it's the most important, you're not just asking the students to gather around in a circle and and study the word. You do that with even a select amount of students, maybe as a a Bible study at your house or, or whatever. But when your youth ministry is so ingrained in videos and games and band and message and trying to like have that engaging program you go well how do i get them to then also engage in the word as well and i think today we're going to discuss that aspect of youth ministry i would agree with that i think when i was a youth pastor and even now volunteering as a small group leader in the youth group at my church that i'm at Right now, there's just this element of guilt of, okay, I'm having fun and I'm being relevant, especially with students that are so far away from maybe even knowing Jesus. They're not at that place where they've accepted him yet. It's cool to be able to connect with them and ask them about, like a lot of them have homecoming this weekend. So we're talking about what your dress looks like and what your hair looks like. But then when they walk out the door, there's this feeling of, okay, but I didn't direct them to Jesus as well as I could have, but it just seems so difficult. Like when we're just trying to engage with them on any level and make them feel safe and loved, it sort of feels hard of how can I have fun and also like why does having fun and reading the Bible have to be separate things? Because I think we default to the fun side of it because that's easy and it kind of makes us feel better because we feel like we're connecting with them. That's such a great point because we think about the limited time we have with these students in youth ministry at a church, you know, you're sitting down and me as a small group leader, I have maybe 20 minutes, sometimes 25, sometimes 30 at the most. And that first 
10 minutes is how's it going catching up what's happening what'd you do this week etc cetera, etc cetera. and Lindsay, i feel that tension too as a you know all the times as a youth pastor now i'm only a small group leader at my church and it's like how do i turn that corner how do i build that value and be a part of that culture of, of bible engagement when you've just got a limited time it's it's a huge challenge for sure building that relationship even takes that time and you don't want it to be like you're only building that relationship or investing in that relationship just to merely then talk about the bible like most of us i believe at least in this room are in youth ministry because we care about that student, the the nature of students, the generation of students, and to do what we can to see them be transformed. And since time is so limited when you are with your students, you are building that relationship. You are trying to invest in them so that when you start talking about a faith-based type of conversation, that they are more in tune with what you're saying instead of like, you only care about me because you want to push your beliefs or, or push what you have to say about the Bible or Jesus or anything like that. There is that sense of, I want to show that I care just regardless. So, Lindsay, you've you've spent a lot of time thinking about this, studying this, researching it. What are some of the things that you're learning about students and their connection and engagement with the Bible? I think the biggest thing that we've been learning right now is that there's a huge gap between what students believe about the Bible and then what they're actually doing to show that they believe it. So it kind of plays back into what Jason read in the intro of understanding how important it is to ride a bike, but not knowing how to ride a bike is really similar is that students understand the Bible's important. 88% of them said they believe it's important, but only 47% of them are reading it one to two times a week and 37% of students aren't reading it at all. So Either they're saying it's important and they're not being fully honest about that, or they really do believe that it's important. They just don't know how to incorporate it into their lives. And I think that as uh, you know, former youth pastors and people that work in youth ministry right now and work alongside a lot of people who are serving as youth pastors and leaders, uh, we have a responsibility to explore that and see what needs to be done. So the overwhelming majority of students are saying in your research that they do think the Bible is important very important and and yet only and and 37 percent of those same students saying they never read it so right. almost 40 percent it's a high number yeah so almost four out of ten are saying i just never read it another stat that you aren't mentioning is the 16 percent that are reading it a number of times in the week that allows them to see their behaviors change and allows the faith that we really are called to be like, we're more like Jesus, sharing our faith with others. The fruits of the Spirit start to reveal themselves. That's only 16% of the students. And so it goes back to the four times a week where if students are engaged or if anybody's engaged in the Bible, reading the Bible at least four times a week, there is a huge difference in their behaviors, their approach to the faith, uh, memorizing scripture, uh, just the care for other people and their neighbor. And so when you look at 16% are really only doing that, that's not even really changing a whole lot about who we are as, as Christ followers. And that's what, one of the things that we talk about is that 16% that number, those are the students that are reading it four more times a week. And again, you mentioned it's known as the power of four. That's the study called the power of four. 
I believe that's the Center for Bible Engagement. It is, and it says that if you read the Bible four more times a week, your chance of engaging in things that are against maybe biblical values, drinking, uh, looking at pornography, go way down, and your statistic uh, of going and sharing your faith or memorizing Scripture goes way way up, which makes sense. You know, the more you're doing something, the more it's going to regularly become a part of your life. So how do we get that 16% to raise so that we have students that are engaging and their lives are being changed. And I think that's the question. How do we, and that's that's what we dream of here in our organization, Never the Same, is how do we change that number? How do we, how do we bump that up to 20, 25, 30, even 50 percent? And we're seeing that in youth ministries that are really chasing after this value of Bible engagement. So, Lindsay, what are the things that, about the premises of Bible engagement that can help us as youth workers make that happen? We talked about it a little bit in the intro, and even just now, uh, we were talking earlier, I think that that idea of riding a bicycle really connects to these three things that we're about to talk about. It With the Bible, it starts with commitment, it grows with community, and it sticks with consistency. So the idea of it starts with commitment is, you know, as youth pastors and leaders and workers, we can stand up in front of students or even sit with them in a small group or even sit with them in a one-on-one environment and say, man, the Bible's so important and it's going to change your life and it's going to be amazing and you should do it and here's why. And even give compelling testimony of of our own journey with Scripture and where we were before and where we are now and even where we could be. Uh, but the student has to make that commitment. I mean, and we all know that we can't force a commitment to reading the Bible on a student. It's just not going to work. And it, it's, it reminds me of, for example, if you were to say to someone, you should be a runner. You should do that. And you convince them to do that, but then you don't really give them any practical ideas to follow up. So, you know, there's so many tools, but again, if you're not a runner, you're not familiar with all the apps, all the techniques, things that, that can help you be a long-term runner or avoid injury, all those things. I, I, I think of it in the same way that often we say to our students, hey, you need to be in Scripture and commitment is important, and we might even be able to get them mentally to that place of commitment, but if we don't give them something crystal clear, then that commitment uh, doesn't really go anywhere. You're right. When you, with the running analogy, if you aren't informing somebody, hey, you should be a runner, and then this is what it takes, the commitment every morning to run a number of miles, they are just going to almost casually approach it and run a couple of times. And if they were training for a run and they approached it casually, they're not gonna see success in that final run that they're preparing for. So if we're not informing them of the commitment of what it takes to run, you don't have the same picture of what a runner looks like. So Lindsay, in your experience when we're talking about commitment and being specific, but what are what are the things that are keeping students from reading and engaging in the Bible? There's a couple things that we found in our research about why students aren't wanting to personally commit. We try and and combat some of those and some of the resources that we provide through Never the Same, but students are saying simply they don't think that they have enough time, which we've learned that students are involved in a lot of different things after school and during school and with homework, and they just don't think that they can manage their time well enough to make time to read the Bible. Then there's students that are saying that they don't know how it applies to their life. You know, they think that the Bible is some old document that isn't relevant to them, and uh, they just don't think that 
what they need is found in scripture. And then there's students that, and this is probably our, I think it's our highest statistic is they say that they don't know where to start, that the Bible is just some super overwhelming book. And even if they have it on their phones, you know, they open up that app and there's a bunch of books that they have to choose from. And then there's a bunch of chapters and then there's verses within that and they're just overwhelmed. And so they give up. And that it's an overwhelming document. I often will say to people, it's like saying, hey, you should get to know this concept of science and then giving them a large science textbook that's hundreds and hundreds of pages. That That's what the Bible is. It's over, you know, 1,100 chapters in the Bible, 66 books covering, you know, hundreds of years with different authors. It's overwhelming. So again, knowing where to start, being simple, that's part of that being crystal clear, the commitment idea. Then you talked about community and how that grows. Uh, explain that a little bit. Growing with community simply just means having people around you or having people around students to help encourage them and hold them accountable. And when we say accountability, we I don't think that we necessarily mean you know, pointing fingers if they don't read the Bible as many times as they say they're going to read the Bible, but having those sounding boards and those places where they can be honest about what they're learning, um, they can be honest about what they're not learning or what they don't understand or, or what's kind of tripping them up in the Bible, but giving them a space to communicate maybe some of those doubts that they have can help. Um, if we let those things well up in them, or if they let them those things well up in them, there's a chance that they'll just kind of convince themselves out of the importance of reading scripture. And so if we're going to challenge them and ask them to commit to it, I think it's important for us as the youth pastor worker community to really set those groups up for students to succeed. You mentioned this already, but there's a default of telling the student they need to, they need to read the Bible, they need to engage. If we're not structuring our ministry in a way that they can read the Bible with others, with their leaders, and there's not this community sense, you're simply just giving them the bike and walking away. And having somebody to walk with you to understand a little bit more, have gone before you and studied it way more than you, you start to grow so much more at an accelerated rate. I, I think back to youth pastor at our church, and I would say, Part of being in leadership in our ministry, whether you are a student or an adult, was Bible engagement. And I gave them a specific plan. Here's a plan. We're all doing it together. And if you want to be involved in leadership, and that's that community piece, right? Because you're, I'm not saying, hey, you should just go out and do this, but I'm doing it. We're all doing it. And that community really is important. Again, I think about running and the running community. The running community is, is a support structure. Even if you're out now, I run, uh, actually all three of us run, but I typically run majority of my runs on my own. But I have people in my life that, that I'm engaged with electronically, technologically, but also, you know, in conversation, they're saying, hey, you still doing it? You keeping it up? And I think that's a, a parallel as well. It's a key part of Bible engagement is just having a, a support structure around you to keep you going in that. I have a friend, speaking about the running analogy, who last... Uh, last December ran her first 5k and now she's a part of this running group and they run every single Saturday they meet at 730 or something and she's this upcoming weekend running her first half marathon and that is such a visible change of where she was to where she is now because she's got this group that says every Saturday we're waiting for you and we're going to make sure that you're there and just a way to track your progress and so I totally echo what you're saying I think having that community holds you to a different standard. 
Then you talked about uh, consistency and how important that is, and you've seen this. What does that mean for a student to be consistent? There's so much in students' lives that's changing. You know, they're going through uh, different seasons of sports and they're going through different grades and they're making friends and then losing friends because they don't have those friends in that class, you know, the next semester. And, you know, they're just going through changes just internally too. And so there's so many things that are not dependable and not consistent in students' lives. I mean, even in their families, we, we know that there's a lot of brokenness in families too. So to be able to provide a consistent plan and be consistent with it in your youth ministry speaks a lot. Have consistent leaders. We've uh, on Thought Factory, you guys have talked about small group leaders and the importance of consistency with them and uh, just providing something that students know they can lean on when they can't lean on anything else in their life. Well, this is so important for us in youth ministry and working with students to think about how we can connect students, engage them, and really work hard. I mean, we're thinking about programming. Uh, we're thinking about you know, a lot of times scope and sequence, we're thinking about building our leadership teams. And sometimes what gets lost in the shuffle is how do we get our students in the Bible? And the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of youth pastors, youth workers, leaders that I connect with throughout the year, every year from all over the country, I find a resonance with that and saying, it's so easy to lose the main thing. And when we're talking about this, here, here's what I think a lot of it boils down to is what I call the law or the rule of expectation. If we're going to expect something of students and that expectation is Bible engagement, that's a whole nother ball game than if we're expecting them to show up. So for example, what I say to a lot of pastors is, if I were to ask the people that attend your church or ministry or youth group, fill in the blank, and say, what are the expectations that your leadership and your pastor has of you most of the time, really, honestly, it's just they want me to be there. For youth group, it's like they just want me to be there every week or whenever we're meeting. Now, sometimes it might be they expect me to give or they might expect me to serve. But I want you to think about, if you're listening to this and you're involved in a youth ministry, what do you expect from the people that attend, primarily your students? And what I would say is we started to really change our expectations to say, if you're a part of our community— and you really consider yourself a follower of Christ, we expect you to be in the Bible. We're not just going to throw you out to the wolves like with the bike and not you know, really show anything, but we're going to give you a plan and show you how to do it. And I think that law of expectation is really important because it's, it's helping them understand your values. You're saying, this is what we expect, because your expectations are a reflection of your values. I believe any youth leader or youth pastor would defend the fact that they value the Bible. They would say that it's part of who they are and why they are in youth ministry in general, but how does their youth ministry reflect that value in regards to Bible engagement with their students? I think it's important as we talk about that, and I want to answer that question, but I think a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast would say, well, I do value the Bible. You can't tell me that I'm not valuing the Bible. I teach it every week, and that is so important and so necessary, but what gets me and what has gotten me since I started youth ministry and even now is I can teach the Bible every week and students can have transforming moments, but how am I setting them up to succeed after middle school and after high school? Because 
the seven or six years that we have with them, or maybe even less, depending when they come into our ministry, is really that space where we get to set that foundation for them when they go to college and when they begin their adult lives is what practices are we teaching them? How are we challenging them? And how are we giving them what they need to be a Christian outside of their parents' home when they really do take their ownership of their faith? So we talk about Bible engagement in that light of what are we doing to equip students beyond the time that we have with them. I think as we're thinking about how do we structure ministries and get students engaged in scripture and how do we see students excited, really it's walking through those three premises that we talked about, uh, starting with commitment and community and then consistency, you know, understanding what it means to, to really implement those three things. I may be talking just to myself, but there is this tendency to still have that separation of the Bible and fun and exciting and engagement where if I want to engage the students in my ministry, in the program, I can't really talk about the Bible a whole lot. You see just blank stares on their faces. And so there is this tendency, at least, like I said, I'm talking to myself sometimes, is that how can we get students to be excited about the Bible and excited to live the life that Jesus is calling us to live because we are in relationship with God, the Father, and we're engaging in his word, and yet still having an exciting program. We need to make sure that we make it a priority, and you're right, committing to Bible engagement with our students doesn't mean taking away games and music and just sitting them in front of Leviticus for two hours and saying, this is what we have to do if you're going to stay a Christian for the rest of your life. Really, it's just youth pastors and youth workers in general making that commitment of this is a foundation of my youth ministry. Uh, this is a expectation that I have of my ministry, an expectation I have of my leaders and even maybe student leaders if you've got those sorts of teams in your ministry. And uh, this is something that I will filter everything I do through. Does this help my students in some way point back to being engaged in the Bible? Maybe not games. I don't know how dodgeball could <laughs> be something that would point back to Jesus. But <laughs> You just write verses on the ball. They need to be hit with truth. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> I think it goes back to what Jeff mentioned, the language of expectation as well. When you are talking in a way and using language of expectation. This is what we expect of you. Instead of just expect an arrival to our building and just being present, but there's an expectation as a student here in the ministry that um, you are engaging in the word X number of times during the week. You are engaged in the conversation in small group. And there is this trajectory of growth because the expectation is pushing the students towards that bell curve, so to speak where they are growing because the leadership is expecting it. And I would say too that we talk about the Bible not, you know, quote unquote, not being fun and then games being fun. But I think that students that are engaged in the Bible, it is attractional to students that aren't engaged in the Bible. You notice that they're acting differently. You notice that they approach people differently. They have a, a sense of love and um, an acceptance that maybe other students don't have. And I mean, I know at least I experienced that when I was a student. I don't know if you felt that, but there's a difference in those students and uh, it's attractive. You begin to create disciples that are confident in their faith. They are confident to approach their friends and classmates because they know the scripture. And when you know 
what your faith entails and what is expected of you as a Christ follower, there's a level of confidence and Jesus provides that confidence when we aren't just getting the scripture secondhand from a youth leader or a youth pastor or a parent, but you are diving in and reading the words yourself and applying that to your life, that confidence starts to grow as well. And I think you'd agree that that confidence takes time to grow. Yeah. So it's a commitment on our end to be consistent in whatever plan or system we decide to implement that if it doesn't seem to yield the results of 100% uh, engagement in the first year that we don't just quit and move on to the next thing and be discouraged, but that we're willing to be consistent with it and show students that this is important. And over time, students realize that and are attracted to it. And then their lives are changed, which is pretty cool. And in light of what we're discussing here, guys, I think it's it's really a cultural thing. There's a lot of talk about leadership these days, but I think the conversation I'm more and more interested in is culture. How do we change culture? Because, you know, leading and learning that is important, but changing culture to me is where it's at. Because if you're going to take a ministry where your expectations are low or minimal and they don't maybe include things like Bible engagement or other values that you might think are important, but you're not really inserting them into your ministry, I would say that how do you change the culture of your ministry? And I think what we've been talking about, and one of the things that we're passionate about, we work with really helps all of us do that in changing the culture and making Bible engagement a part of what we're doing. So we've been talking about Bible engagement. We talked about what the current reality is with students and uh, some of those numbers that are kind of surprising, and then talk about some of the ways that we as youth pastors and workers can start something like this. But just like students saying that they don't know where to start, uh, I think youth pastors can be also a little bit unsure of where to start when it comes to Bible engagement with their students. There's so many good curriculums and systems out there that it can be a little bit overwhelming to select the one that really is going to help get students engaged in the Bible and uh, use that as the filter when we're checking things out. But at Never the Same, we have a resource that we wanted to share a little bit about with you guys today. It's called Soul Exercises, and it's a Bible engagement system that equips churches to engage students in God's Word and spiritual disciplines, and simply that's what it is. It helps students make that personal commitment by giving them the opportunity to choose a level that works with them, whether they're a new Christian and they read once a week or they are students on a leadership team that read and pray five times a week. It also is community-based where students talk about what they've read throughout the week in their small group. And then uh, consistent scope and sequence that's been designed for you means students get through the Bible in four years. They learn every major theme character story and event in the Bible, which is a pretty cool thing to be able to know when a student walks across the stage of graduation that they have that foundation, uh, like we talked about earlier in the episode. So if you want to check it out, uh, you can go to soulexercises.com. There is a app that students can use. There's also printed material and a lot of other fun stuff, but with the basic premise of just getting students to read the Bible and take ownership for themselves. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org. All right, we're here in the bonus segment of the podcast, and um got with me a uh, amazing young man named Amante. He is 
one of our CYC students. He just graduated this year, but uh, he has been involved in Claim Your Campus throughout high school, seen some pretty cool things happen. And uh, we're seeing right now in Kansas City at the airport. Uh, you're about ready to leave, but we thought we'd just talk real quick and have you share your perspective and thoughts about what's happening for Claim Your Campus 2020. Yeah, so we've been here since... Uh since Monday and it's been it was it's been a great time and uh just to you know sit around the table with everyone that that has the the same heart and the same vision in mind uh for students and um man it, it just it's really helped me gain perspective on how how big this is really gonna be but um there was a time there uh you know in between our meetings that we went out to the field and um, you know, we prayed and and kind of did a little bit of role playing. And uh, I was I was standing there in the field and I was you know recording and taking some pictures. And then I I started to vision and imagine, envision and imagine the people that would be there just worshiping God, um, just singing together, and and, and praying together, and learning together, uh, and being equipped on you know, what it means to take prayer back to their middle schools, back to their high schools. And, man, I just really feel that, that God is, is going to meet us there in the field and that he wants to do something uh, significant. Um, and, you know, it's a, CYC 2020 is not necessarily just about that the one event, but it's a, a, a moment to mobilize a movement is what we're saying. And um, I, I really believe that that God is positioning us where right where we need to be and and uh i I really believe that it's going to be it's going to be just a catalytic time in 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 the history of this country in this nation and for for thousands of students i really believe that and uh so cool to see i mean so many legends around the table in their own right so many legends that are you know they they don't have to be a part of this and they don't have to, you know, take their time out of their days to sit at meetings and strategize and brainstorm. They don't have to do that, but they are, and it's because they care about students and they care about the future of this country. So I'm, I'm very encouraged and glad to be a part of this. So the last couple of days we've, we've been here and we went on site, as you talked about, into the field where the uh, event will be and... And if you've listened to any of the other bonus segments on the podcast, you know that um, we've kind of dribbled out information here and there. It's July 4th weekend, 2020. It's a two-night, three-day event. It's a camping experience. If you want it to be, also you can drive in and stay at local hotels, but it's south of Kansas City. And Amante, you talked about, yeah, the, the powerful moments that we're just coming off of as we record this, standing on the property. We met for a couple of days as the executive team on the property and um yeah and being in the space where we're going to to hold the worship set and in the mobilization sessions and um what's cool as you're listening to this is on our executive team we've got people from all the country and as amante said great leaders in their own right but we've got students as well involved in the process and talk for a second about um what you feel like from your perspective as as a student on uh, what students will experience at the event and why they should go. Yeah, I think 
I think coming, you know, from a student perspective, um, as far as the event goes, man, I just really think that it's going to be a time for students that, it, you know, sure, there'll be the there'll be the big, you know, bands and, you know, maybe some some well-known speakers there. But but I think that coming there as a student will really give you a, a, a different perspective in that you'll see that you're not alone in what it is that you're doing. If you're looking to start claiming your campus in your school or if you're already doing it, you'll see a 100,000 other students there worshiping with you and you'll see 20,000 adults there that care about you and they care about your future and and in a sense are kind of like passing the torch saying like hey we're not the we're not the leaders of tomorrow we're the leaders of the day and the time for us to step up is right now thanks Amante thanks for your part in it and thanks for sharing with us today